You've dreamed of building a family, but the journey hasn't been easy. I'm Dr. Laura Shaheen, a reproductive endocrinologist helping people build families every day. On our new podcast, Baby or Bust, we'll be learning from both reproductive experts and people who have faced challenges just like yours. Join us every week for Baby or Bust, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure to follow us so you never miss an episode. Today on the Zabecast, the NC2A tournament is here, and while my bracket will no doubtedly suck, I'm still going to enjoy every minute of it. Daylight savings time, we've got new rules in golf, stat of the day, plus notorious J-A-Y will play the four best game for the tournament. All that, and you'll be glad to know that stupid is starting to shoot itself in the foot. You got 45 minutes to kill, then buckle up, and let's go! Here we go! Thursday, March 15, 2018. Thank you for your ears and your time. Let's get started. Welcome to the real start of March Madness. The two days of play-in games, card table games are over. And the field of 64 is finally set, which is the proper size, the only size that I recognize for the actual tournament. Not that it's not great to have some extra inventory to gamble on and watch Tuesday and Wednesday, but I just, I'm I'm a traditionalist. What can I say? I like the 64. And yes, it is still one of the great American sporting events ever created. Three straight weekends of awesomeness. And despite all the things that the NCAA has done to try to make this thing less exciting and all the stupid shit like corporate champions are corporate champions, even though despite all that, it is still great. The tournament is still great because A, it's egalitarian. You've got big school, small school, and the small and the medium schools more often than you would ever imagine beat the pants off the big boys. And really, the three-pointer leveled the playing field greatly. The three-pointer in the 80s, the introduction of it, is credited, along with ESPN, with making college basketball as popular as it is today. Point two about why the tournament's great. It's young people, you know, mostly 18, 19, 20 years old, coached by old people, 40s, 50s, 60s, and they're all acting like 12-year-olds out on the court. The tournament's great because, C, it's star-proof. The bracket is the star. It's always the star. And, D, it's three straight weekends, like I said, designed to make you forget that, hey, it's still basically winter out there. I know that's how it felt on Wednesday here in D.C. It was like 42 and windy all day, and it was terrible. So basically what happens is you get on this log flume of excitement on the calendar in March, And it's three straight weekends, boom, boom, boom. And then it spits you out into the warm mouth of April. And it spits you out into the warm mouth of baseball season and the Masters. And suddenly the bloom is on the trees. And then it's going to start to get warmer for much of the country. Not the upper Midwest, not the Northeast, but still for the rest of us, spring will finally be here. So before I get too far into it today, just a word of thanks First of all, the Gargantu Bracket has been a huge hit, and I thank you for jumping through my little hoop that I set up of having to give me your email address so you could be sent 
the links. I promise, like I've said before, I will not abuse this privilege of having an email address of yours, burner account, I'm sure, but it'll be a way that I can stay in touch with everybody and also, you know, like I said, deliver cheat sheets to my shows so you can play along at home. Thank you to Chris Broussard of Enlutions.com. He has been helping me on the email distribution front and with the website and with the podcast, with the Libsyn syndication. He's been fantastic. I couldn't have done all this without him. And thank you, of course, to Brad Turner, the genius, the man, the myth, the legend who invented Gargantue Bracket. But most importantly, thank you to you out there listening because I've had the three straight I've had three straight days of the highest downloads yet of this humble little Zabecast, which has really taken off even better than I thought it would. And I'm not sure why these three days were necessarily uh, the three highest days. Maybe it's tournament interest. Maybe it's people coming for the gargantu bracket and going, oh, there's an extra bonus content here. Maybe it's because you missed me yet again on vacation last week. I know that with this new venture, there's probably some trepidation like, well, he's been doing it for a couple months, but then he's, he's gone on vacation and there is no podcasts. And then he comes back and there is, and then he's on vacation again. And I'm not sure if he's going to keep doing it. So maybe there was some trepidation like, hey, I don't know if he's going to keep doing this. And then you see me come back from vacation and I get right back into it and I start putting out new shows and you're like, all right, I'm in. Maybe that's what it is. Whatever it is, I'm going to try to continue to give you a show worth listening to every single day and make it better and better and to really make it something that's big because I like doing this and it's fun. And I know that I've gotten a lot of great feedback on that. And I do have crazy big visions for what can be done with this podcast. Will I be as big as Adam Carolla? No. Will I be as big as Bill Simmons? No. But I could be better. No offense to either guy or anyone else or Mark Marin, who I guess is one of the podcast godfathers making a mint doing it. So we'll try to keep getting better and better all the time. Improvement, right? Just like what baseball might start doing soon. Oh boy, here we go. Minor League Baseball is going to start experimenting with an extra innings rule tweak in which they put a man on second base to help induce, essentially, an outcome to the game. So we don't have 13, 14, 17, 19, 22 inning games or whatever. People are not happy about this. Me, I'm like, eh, it's a bit cheesy. It's probably unnecessary, but it is minor league baseball. Minor league baseball has already instituted a pitch clock in some leagues, which is something that I think has got to come to Major League Baseball, a pitch clock. Just like I think a shot clock has got to come to the PGA Tour. Yes, you heard me right. I don't care about but the wind might shift or I need more time to figure out my club. No. Get up there and hit it. Everyone's under the same amount of time. Baseball, I think, should absolutely have a pitch clock, but that's just me. As far as artificially, once the 10th inning comes, putting a runner on second, that seems to be a bit draconian to me. I would maybe say, why don't we do sudden death? Sudden death in baseball, starting with the 10th inning. Wait a minute, that's an advantage to the road team because they could win it in the 10th. Yeah, yeah, it is an advantage. 
But as last I checked, Major League teams played 81 home, 81 road. So, yeah, they would theoretically have an equal number, not even theoretically, they would have an equal number of opportunities if chance were to arise to take advantage of the sudden death rule. Now, you could go back and look at box scores and say, well, that's only going to cut down on lengthy extra inning games by another 12% because many times it's scoreless for four or five innings in a row. I don't know, but I know this. Baseball has changed over the years. They're the purists and those who say the integrity of the game is such that that would ruin it are conveniently fitting or are conveniently forgetting things like, uh, yeah, they didn't allow black players for way too long. Old-time baseball, I believe, had best of nine World Series. Maybe even best of 11. Don't quote me on this. I'm still trying to get a high-def copy of Ken Burns Baseball so I can be up to speed on ancient, prehistoric baseball. There was no DH, no interleague play, no replay. A ton of things they didn't have. This would be just yet another change. Speaking of change, golf is amending its rules. The finalized rules that they had proposed tweaking from two years ago or a year ago. Actually, it's a year ago. They proposed these in 2017. Now that we're in 2018, the USGA has put out what the rules are going to be. The new amended rules of golf, the biggest reform in golf since I don't know when, which will go into place starting in 2019 will include some of the following rules. And they've changed some things that they had proposed. To me, the biggest rule change that was going to affect the game was going to be being able to drop the ball one inch in height when you get relief from a card path or a shithouse or whatever. Or if you're taking a penalty stroke, to be able to just put it down somewhere. They've changed that. They have tweaked that. You will no longer, you can't do it that way, they say. That, that was a proposal that I think people said, nah, that could be a, a, a dicey situation. So they're going to make you drop it from knee height. You will have to drop the ball from knee height. Also, amateurs can take out-of-bounds or lost ball relief from the vicinity from which their ball went out-of-bounds or was lost, including relief that includes putting it in the fairway for two shots. That's still pretty beneficial. Granted, you are hitting your fourth shot from the fairway when you would normally be hitting your second. But there's some tight holes in which I know I've stepped up on a tee and said, if I can't put the first one in play, I might not put the next two in play. That's a big change. Only for amateurs, though, it will not be used on the PGA Tour or major competitions because it's mostly a pace of play issue. You can now touch spike marks, repair spike marks, any divots, anything on the green. You can repair it, smooth it over. You can touch your line with your putter as well. I applaud that. You can putt with the flagstick in. Eh, no big deal. But the whole thing about the, the drop height is big. And the one thing that's also big is that there will be no relief from divots while in the fairway. A lot of guys I know that play golf are insistent that I can't believe they're letting us do all this stuff now and they're not going to let us take the ball out of a divot in the fairway. It's ridiculous. And again, my argument to that, for those who play golf, is simple. You tell me, how do you define a divot versus an old divot that's mostly filled in or a footprint or 
a tire track in the fairway or whatever. Any kind of imperfection in the par- in the fairway. Well, you'll know a divot when you see it. Oh, really? <laughs> I, I can just see now matches disintegrating into arguments or worse over whether or not something is or is not a divot in the fairway. So I don't think you can touch that one. I think you just have to take the luck of the draw, and if you drive it in the fairway 310 yards down the middle and it lands in a divot, that's a tough shit right there. Because otherwise, guys will say, well, see this little indention here? That used to be a divot, and it's still not quite fully grown in. And I, as your opponent, would say, yeah, but there's grass there. There's no actual hole. Yeah, but do you see it's how it's sort of in a little bit of a swale, and uh, you know the ball is, I'd be like, it's grown over. Sorry the lie is not perfect. Hit the fucking shot. The other thing that I need more clarification on, just one last thing here, before I bore you people to death with golf rules, it says here in this golfdigest.com story that you will no longer be required to announce when you are lifting your ball to identify it or to see if it's been damaged. Ah, <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. So you're telling me anytime I drive the ball in a deep rough that I can pick my ball up and look at it and put it back? I know you're supposed to put it back and replicate the lie that your ball was originally in. So if your ball is sitting down in the rough and you can't see any markings on it that would identify it as yours and to avoid hitting a wrong ball, which is also a penalty, you're allowed to pick it up and look at it. Now, currently in the rules, you're allowed to do that, but you have to announce that you're doing it, which usually draws your opponent over there to make sure that you're putting it back in the right place. Now, if you can go touching your ball all over the place, in the fairway or uh, in the rough, and putting it back down... Oh, there's all kinds of chance for mischief there. And you look across the fairway and you see a guy, uh, your opponent, picking up his ball, looking at it like, oh, yeah, that's mine, and then putting it back. You don't know if he's not putting it back up on a nice, nice tuft of grass, or you don't know if he's not putting it back outside of a little depression that his ball had come to rest in. Eh, I don't like this one so much. And that concludes our golf rules discussion. Let me bore you with something even more stupid. Daylight savings. Man, oh man, I have no idea why so many people whine and moan and bitch about something so simple as springing forward and falling back every year. It's an hour. You gain an hour, you lose an hour. It's it's telegraphed well in advance. Nobody is caught off guard. Like, oh shit, I missed my plane. I didn't know it was daylight savings. Maybe somebody has, but almost certainly not. So now we have in the state of Florida, Senator Marco Rubio announcing Wednesday that he has filed legislation to allow not just Florida, but the entire nation to save daylight all year round. So in other words, we will spring forward one last time and leave it at that. I know I can hear you people out there now. You're already some of you are like standing and applauding right now at this idea. I said on Twitter the other day, I go, well, if we don't do the daylight savings thing, you know that in the summer, the sun's going to come up at 4.30. And nobody needs the sun to come up at 4.30 a.m. And you want to use that extra hour that you would otherwise waste sleeping from 4.30 to 5.30. 
You'd rather put that at the end of the day so you can, from 8 to 9 in the dead of summer, you can go play an extra couple of holes of golf or be out at a cookout or something like that. Of course, the, the counter-argument to that was, I know, Zabe, just keep it sprung forward. Yes, it'll be darker in the winter, but who cares? Okay, well, I'll tell you who cares. The Florida PTA cares. They've asked Governor Rick Scott to veto the legislature's bill, saying the change would force thousands more students and children to travel to school in the dark for a longer period each year. It would not get light. Sunrise would not happen until 8.30 in the dead of winter, at least here in Washington, D.C., as I'm looking up the timeanddate.com. That's a great website to learn. Timeanddate.com. they got a slider where you can just see the sunrise, sunset all throughout the year. And not just sunrise, sunset. There's four different categories. There is astronomical twilight, nautical twilight, civil twilight, and daylight. (laughs) How about that? And they all have different definitions and times based on just how much light there is. Maybe you knew this already. You're, You're smart people. You probably knew this. I just love that it's so complicated. Astronomical twilight, nautical twilight, civil twilight, and daylight. I guess it'd be okay for it to be pitch black dark until 8.30 a.m. in the winter, although it'd be weird. It wouldn't affect my life too much. Yes, maybe Jimmy and Susie might fall and scrape their knees walking to school both ways with their books tied with a rope and an apple for their teacher in the darkness. Maybe, I guess, I don't know. All I know is this. It's not hard to change an hour ahead and an hour back. Even companies that depend on what's the time, airlines, for example, they find a way to do it. Also, certain states don't fall back or spring forward. Hawaii and Arizona are examples of that. Some Navajo reservations do not. I think the state of Indiana is divided part eastern time zone, part central time zone. That's fucked up, yet we manage. Just with all the things going on in the world, all the pieces of legislation you'd love our government to pass, I don't think this one's very important. Okay, let's play stat of the day. Oh, you got to do that uh, old bit here on this uh, Zabecast, huh? Well, I am going to do it because I got a good one for you, and I think you're going to like it. So sit back, everybody. Stat of the day. All right, here we go. Joe Thomas announced his retirement on Wednesday, saying his knee was too messed up to continue. He had played 11 seasons in the NFL, had not missed a snap until he got hurt this fall. That's 10,363 snaps. Did you know that Joe Thomas of the Browns never once enjoyed a 1-0 and start to a Brown season? Behold, the stat... Of the day. That is the Cleveland browniest stat I've ever heard. Joe Thomas, 11 years, six-time, first-team, all-pro. He's going straight to Canton, Ohio, which will be a short trip from Cleveland, and he never once got to say, eh, now we're 1-0 here. I think this Brown season is going to turn out better than all the others. No, he didn't. The Jets right now are completely adrift in the NFL. 
this was a good point made by somebody on Twitter. What are the Jets doing exactly at quarterback? They go and sign Josh McCown to another one-year deal. He's 39 years old. Teddy Bridgewater gets brought in on a one-year deal. Christian Hackenberg, their second-year starter, has zero starts so far. And they're probably going to draft a quarterback as well. J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. Two more quick ones before Notorious J-A-Y joins us. Sergio Garcia. You know Sergio? Yes, you're still defending Masters champion. Sergio Garcia recently had his first child, a baby girl, and he and his wife named it after one of the holes at Augusta. Really? That's a weird name. Hole 14 Garcia? That's straight. No. The, the holes at Augusta are named after the various trees and flowers and shrubbery of the Augusta National Golf Club. And he apparently named his daughter Azalea, which is after the 13th hole, the iconic boomerang dog leg left. You know Sergio. I know Sergio. And now I know Azalea Garcia as well. Uh, that was what they named their kid. And lastly, this is funny, Dos Equis has announced it is canned. It's new, most interesting man in the world. The new younger actor, Augustin Legrand, lasted just 553 days, less than two years. The original most interesting man in the world, actor Jonathan Goldsmith, had held the job for nearly nine years. They should bring Jonathan Goldsmith back. He is literally the most interesting man in the world. It was the, one of the great advertising campaigns of all time. And the reason the new guy didn't catch on, I'll tell you. I know why Dosakis did it. They're like, you know, we want to appeal to a younger demographic, try to get into that 18 to 35, and they're not going to drink an old man beer. Oh, yeah? You think that really matters? I, I bet kids loved the Jonathan Goldsmith character is the most interesting man in the world. Because the young actor, the Austin Augustin Legrand guy, the young version of the most interesting man in the world, didn't come off as interesting. He just came off as some European douchebag because he was too young. You have to be old to be interesting, I think. That's what made the bit with the old dude who had that look in his eye like, yeah, I'm an old dude, but guess what? I've been around. It definitely feels like it's showtime. It's a lot of razzle-dazzle, you know what I mean? Does that change your game at all? It's my game, bro. Running the court, getting a lob from Nick Van Axel, dunking it, swinging on the rim, putting my hands up in the air like... What? What? Now we're talking some old school Shaq and Bill Bellamy. Circa, what year was this, Jay? Oh, I'm guessing... Oh, God. 96? Yes? No? 98, I'm guessing. Okay. I think that's Exhibit in the back. Oh, really? I think yeah. that's Exhibit. <laughs> Found it on the old 360. I thought I'd drag it out. Hello, Notorious J-A-Y, producer of the Brett Hollander Experience on WBAL in Baltimore, Maryland. How you doing, my brother from another mother? I'm doing fine. How are you doing, Zabin? Doing okay, but back man. Back from Jamaica. Oh, Jamaica, mom. Did you drink the rum? I did drink 
rum, not the rum. Who were you? Do you know how many different versions of rum they have in Jamaica? Forty-two. A lot. <laughs> and when they were when they were driving us on the tour bus to the gift shop to go rip us off blind. Yes. The the lovely Jamaican tour guide, Mama D, who was teaching us Jamaican slang like uh huh and ee and stuff like that. She was claiming a certain overproof rum that's only in Jamaica. Overproof is good for medicinal purposes. Like, you know, if you get an ache in your arm, you can put it on that. It cures headaches. It does this. I'm like in the back of the bus going, I don't think that shit does any of that. It'll get you drunk. It's not going to cure your arthritis, though. Uh, did you leave the resort? Fuck to the no. Okay, I'm I'm going in July for a week. Are you really? This is my third First, time. Oh, third you've been time. to Jamaica oh, now. Yeah. And, what, and rule what you... number 1080, do not leave the resort at night. You can do it in the day, but not at night. Freaks guy, come out at night. A guy who works here, a, a photographer, got back about a month ago and he said they went to a club and oh, got Jesus. arrested and they had to give, and he, and he, and he quote, <laughs> All the money in their pocket. Yeah, yeah that, whatever that, you that have. Was, that's right. your fine. Your fine to fine. get out of jail is whatever you have. Yeah, I was like, your dumb white ass went off the resort. I'm glad you got jacked. That's uh, idiot. Yeah. So yeah. you've been twice already. Yeah, love okay, it. Okay, well, and what do you think of Jamaica? Uh, it's funny. The first time I went, I uh, I think I was like 22. Okay. And uh, I would get pissed because like, I would ask for something. And Jamaican people, they're on their own time. They're not one for the snaps two, snap two. And I was like, <laughs> can I have my drink now? And they were like, well, get your drink, man. Hey, you know? man, relax. So I had to get over that, and then I had fun. Second time I went, I went with a, I was like uh, a group of us, like three groups, and it was fun. This time, sadly, Zabe, I'm going with family. So that, uh, could, yeah, that could hinder the whole thing. That's but, cool. What, what resort? I don't know. My brother booked it. North side, pay- south. You going to Ocho Rios? You going to Montego Bay? Montego Bay. Okay, but I don't know what. Uh, I don't know exactly where, but right. I've just given him the money and he booked it. All there right. you go. I, I like Jamaica a lot, especially because Mexico is now basically closed. The drug cartel killings in Quintana Roo and Cancun are fucking through the roof. They closed the U.S. consulate in Playa del Carmen. That's how sketchy it's getting, and of course the Mexican government. They're full of shit. They're like, oh, no, it's fine. Like, you know, nothing's wrong here. Keep the tourists coming. But it's becoming more and more of a ghost town, they say, because there's too much crime. Jamaica was where we went for the first time with Bob and Brian. I loved it because the Jamaican people, uh, Jay, crack me up. They're funny as shit. They really they are. are. And at our resort, they were quick with the drinks, and they were quick with a smile, quick with a quip. So I was a big fan. And they have some great sprinters. Oh, yeah, exactly. We, we ended the week with a foot race on the beach. And, of course, as soon as I you know, dragged my foot across the sand and put a little flag at the start and had a flag at the finish, and, and as soon as they could tell there was a foot race coming, five Jamaicans come out of the, what do you call it, the outside ops of the resort, basically the hype crew, the, the energy crew, the entertainment crew. What do, you, what do you call those guys, right? Hype crew. The hype crew. We'll, we'll stick with that. Yeah. Five members of the hype crew come out and they line up and they're like, I'm in. <laughs> and guess what? The, the Jamaicans finished one through five. No shock. <laughs> they probably all ran four, four, 40. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And of course, they showed us on a bus trip where Usain Bolt was from. 
in uh, just n- nearby Montego Bay. And so, yeah. Yeah, they're very proud there. A lot of, lot of Usain Bolt and a lot of Bob Marley. Oh, there you go. Two most famous citizens of Jamaica. All right. Are you excited for Ryan Grant up there in Baltimore? <laughs> I know you must be, right? Uh, my, my PD was listening last night. Before you graced us, ding, ding, with your presence. Thank you. And he came in, he said, I laughed out loud when you said, I've never heard of this guy. <laughs> I literally have not. We are waiting. We, I can't wait for the Ryan Grant press conference. Is he worthy of a press conference? I was being funny about that. If oh, he, yeah, okay. I don't think he does. Yeah, I, I don't think he'll get one. What are your thoughts in general about free agency? Because, man, holy shit, a lot of people went a lot of places for a lot of weird amounts of money. Some guys... For not very much money, other guys for way too much money. Uh, I believe, unlike baseball, football still they pay you on what you did in the past, not what you can do in the present. And why do they? Danny Amendola is the he will play what six games probably before he gets injured. Who knows? Again. And why do you think they do that? I don't know. I I have a, I have a theory on that because they have to give the money. You can't hoard it. No, they pay you on what you did, not what you're going to do, because it's too hard, Jay, to figure out who's going to do what in a new system. And with a lot of these guys, that once they get that second contract, oh, trying time, that's over. Because <laughs> that's their last contract. Not a... Comma Haloti was the, was Haloti not in oh, that category? He, oh my god! When he went to Detroit, he was done. Jesus! Yeah. Well, he wrecked Robert Griffin the Third's knee, so we'll always have that. <laughs> All right, let's talk Final Four. Let's talk. Let's talk tournament here. Oh. And let's. T- and I've got a little game I'm going to play with I'm you. I'm going to surprise you with with uh, my tournament talk. Okay, let's. I, I got a little game I'm going to play here, which is the four best we're going to call it the four best in honor of the final four where we're not there yet obviously we're just starting down the road to the final four but the four best category and i've got a bunch of different categories here uh from tournaments past you ready yes four best moments in tournament history that will never make anyone's highlight reel number one Chris Weber's travel, and then his timeout, which he did not have. Good God! Number oh, I remember two, exactly where I was for that moment. Number yes. two, Bobby Knight banging the phone off the hook, arguing with the table refs against LSU and Dale Brown. Remember that also. <laughs> number three on the four best moments in tournament history that'll never make a highlight reel: Trajan Langdon dribbling the ball off his foot. On the last shot for Duke against UConn, when Corey Maggette was the NBA talent who had tons of handle, tons of juke, tons of explosiveness, and Coach K is like, well, I owe it to my senior Trajan, (laughs) who was just a stand-up shooter, basically, and he's like, doink, off my foot, game over. The Alaskan assassin. The Alaskan choker. And number one on my final four, uh, four top moments tournament history that won't make anyone's highlight reel. That poor Louisville player breaking his leg. I've forgotten oh. his name already. Can you remember it? No, I. Oh, he was one of the guys who said, "I got my ring two weeks ago." When they, uh, yeah, I cannot remember his name, but I remember that moment. Kevin Ware. Okay, Kevin Ware. Wow, I th- I thought they were going to put um, Memphis guard who got dunked on by Clyde Drexler 
Oh, Drex. Jeez, you're going way back. Drexler literally, because I saw it like two weeks ago, literally jumped over him. Number 10. <laughs> Why do I not remember? That's a moment that I know, I know he wouldn't want to. slamma jamma. Uh, honorable mention was Gary Williams nearly going George Brett when Drew Nicholas beat UNC Wilmington with a buzzer beater. And the refs are like, hold on, let's make sure this came before the clock. Gary does like a U-turn from leaving the court to go, wait a minute. That was a classic moment right Jimmy there. Jimmy Patso says that he was yelling at his players to come back on the on the court. Oh, yeah, I'm that's sure. What, yeah, that's what Jimmy Pat says. All right, four best Cinderella teams, NCAA tournament history. Number one, Florida Gulf Coast, a.k.a. White, white. Boy Dunk City. <laughs> Were they white? There was a lot of white guys okay. dunking for Florida Gulf Coast. Okay. Not all of them, but there were several white dudes who could jump, and they were dunking, and they they just shocked the shit out of Georgetown in the got, second round. They were like, infield that USC job. It, he did, right. And there he goes. Uh, George Mason, VCU, Butler are all going to sit on one leg <laughs> of the Cinderella platform of four best in tournament history. Loyola Marymount is three with Hank Gathers and Bo Kimball. Whoa. How are they a Cinderella? They were good that year. Bro, they're a Cinderella because Loyola Marymount played in a gym that had badminton lines well, on the they, court. They're Cinderella because Gathers had died earlier. But that That's year, a Cinderella. But they were good, though, before Hank died. They were, were really good, if I you know. remember. But I would say any team that loses a player to a heart attack at the age of 22 (laughs) and they go far in the tournament, they're going to be a Cinderella for me. The number one, and then number four on the Cinderella teams, 2013 Wichita State, they were a nine seed and they made it all the way to the final four, lost to Louisville. Whoa. A title that's been vacated now, the 2013 one. Wait a minute. So they don't count Villanova? As a Cinderella? Yeah. Weren't they like a seven seed? Who's they? You're talking to me. I but, forgot Villanova. Okay. Oh, Villanova, it's I'm a sorry. Cinderella. But yeah. wait a minute. But wait, wait a minute. minute. Villanova, whoa, whoa. NC State was like a six or a five. Okay. Hold uh, hold your horses here. Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. I feel like Brian Gumble. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait, wait. You're going to be the arbiter of who's the sex? Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. All right. Here's the thing about Villanova it's one of the greatest upsets in tournament history for how dominant Georgetown was in 85, but they were in the same league, Jay. They had played Georgetown twice already that year. That's different from a small school mid-major that dances all the way to the Final Four like a George Mason or a VCU, I think. That's why I didn't make them a Cinderella. That's one of the great upsets there, but yeah. Uh, I I believe if you are under uh, three... Or over three, you are a Cinderella. But, uh, that, but that's I'll, just seeding, though. That's your, just It's seeding. your list. I'll okay. let you make your oh, list. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, the four best NBA phenom breakouts in tournament history. Uh, okay, explain that. I'll go four to one. Explain these that are, to what do you these mean? Are, by okay, that? these are players who, when the tournament came, maybe some people knew about them. Okay, I get you. <laughs> okay, it's fine. it's fine if you don't disagree. You can help. I, I want your feedback. I, I want okay. your pushback. These are four NBA phenoms who were like in the tournament. It's like, oh, fuck yeah, this guy is really good. Number four, Allen Iverson, 1995. Okay. That Georgetown team went to the Elite Eight. I know that basketball heads knew who Allen Iverson was, but a lot of the country didn't. And when they saw how fucking quick he was, I think people were like, wow, that's crazy. 
Carmelo Anthony, Syracuse, 2003. Freshman, yes. Okay, still well-known, especially in your area, coming out of the mean streets of Baltimore. Uh, but he was awesome. He won a title his freshman year, and it's gone to the NBA. Steph Curry Davidson, 2008. All right? Uh, I, again, you okay with that? Future NBA I, I, phenom I'm breakout? Good with that. I'm good with that. Okay, and I the know number... you're missing a bunch. I'm uh, that's fine. This. And the number one future NBA phenom breakout in the tournament won David Robinson of the Naval Academy. Mm. You had to have been gobsmacked like everyone else watching this guy do his thing against Syracuse as a member of the Naval Academy in the tournament. Steve Nash from Santa Clara. Good one, Jay. All right. Uh, Jay's on the board. I love uh, it. Another one, uh, Big Dog Robinson's sophomore tournament. Oh, holy shit. (laughs) He was so good. I remember going, this guy is illegal. For Purdue, yes, Purdue. Jamal Mashburn's sophomore in Kentucky. I I think he fouled out against Duke, and I remember thinking – that's the only way Duke will win because he was giving them everything <laughs> they could ask for. And Monster more. mash. Okay, yes. I like it. Good, good. All um, right. uh, I, oh, I, oh, um, you can just let it simmer. And yeah, if you want to loop back to it, we'll I loop won't back. I will loop back to that. Yes, but those are three. But Steve Nash, I had never. I didn't know where Santa Clara was. Yeah, and they beat Maryland, if you remember. That's right. A twelve-five upset, and That's I right. had. I was like, this guy is pretty good. All right, four, the four greatest plays in tournament history. Plays, Jay. These are not just shots, so if you're going to go, where's Keith Smart for Indiana? <laughs> not in there. That's a shot. Okay? Here we go. Four greatest plays. Last year's Florida-Wisconsin finish with Chris Chioza. <laughs> no timeouts, down to sprinting the length of the court and then launching this sort of like he almost shot from his hip while just prancing over the three-point line, and it was, boom, good. This came after Wisconsin hit a big three to tie the game, and it was a wild finish. I was, of course, in Vegas last year, and, of course, I was with all my Wisconsin mafia, and they went from absolute pure elation to, I don't want to go out tonight. I'm just going <laughs> to go back to my room. I will take that. I'm like, you pussies. Number three. Valpo and Bryce Drew because right. of the artistic way, long inbound, three-quarters court, quick shove lateral, jump shot, falls to the ground, goes in, everyone dogpiles on top. That's a great one. I was, gonna th- I was wondering if you were going to miss that one, but you, there's no way you could. Number two greatest plays in tournament history, Lorenzo Charles, NC State, Jim Valvano. The air uh, ball. Akeem Olajuwon, not. Not blocking out. Okay. Yes. Number one play of all time, of course, Leitner shot. That that doesn't even need any kind of elaboration. There's nothing. There's no more I can add to that one. Okay. Well, wait a minute. No. Uh, Christian Leitner had a shot, wait a minute, the year before the before that against UConn, and he won at the buzzer. Really? Yes. How about okay. Ray? How about, no, that was, was Ray Allen shot in a tournament game? You're talking Tate George, UConn? The the baseline jumper that went boing 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 and in Christ, that was no Christian Leitner hit a shot against UConn where he was the guy uh, he threw the pass inbounds and they gave it back to him and he hits like a double clutch okay jumper okay yes. that's probably it by the way I forget I just forgot I thought of one now in terms of the uh, oh Rip Hamilton yes four best moments that will make anyone's highlight reel 
uh, Leitner stomping on Amino Timberlake's <laughs> face. And he did not get – did yeah. he get a technical? No. Uh, I think he might have. I think he might have. Four greatest coaches tournament history. K, Dean, Roy, Cal? Oh, God, Question no. mark? Izzo. 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 Oh, I don't – What about Cal, Knight? What about Knight? <sighs> Cal goes out. Cal's not in. Because Cal is terrible tactically. Yes. Great recruiter, terrible tactics. Izzo has taken teams. You're right. You go, Izzo. What? Izzo. Izzo, but, Izzo, but Izzo. But Bobby Knight, if, you know, if he wasn't so stubborn, you got to play my system. If that kid stopped going there because of that. All right. But, how about Izzo, Knight, K, and Dean? Yes. And I we'll can kick Roy that. out yep. of I the kick Roy. Okay. Oh, Roy is horrible. Roy is a disciple. Well, Roy's terrible. Okay. Roy's terrible. Four greatest things about the tournament. Number four, buzzer beaters. Number one, three, one shining moment. Number two, blowing off work in the middle of the day on Thursday and Friday to go to a Hooters or somewhere else. And the number one great, greatest thing about the tournament, being there in Vegas. How about, uh, can I put a cheerleaders crying? Oh, cheerleaders crying with little tattoos on of their the cheeks. The, the- little temporary <laughs> tattoos with the logos. <laughs> it's so sweet, you know. You just wish you were in college so you could say to the, you know, your girlfriend, "They're there, honey, they're there." And then you say later on, "I know a way to make all of this pain go away." Oh my god. <laughs> it involves peach schnapps and you losing those panties. <laughs> Jesus. I said your girlfriend. What's wrong oh, with that? Oh, that's so over the top. Uh, no, it's not. It's, it's just funny, what guys though. say. Okay. Uh, four greatest announcers in tournament history. Ooh, okay. I'm, oh, we're never going to disagree on this one. Number four, Packer. You may okay. hate him, but he uh, was but a no, mainstay. I, I like him. Okay. Number three, Vern. Number two, Raftery. Yes. Kiss. Yes. And number one, Gus. Thank you. Johnson. Okay. Thank you. Yes. There Absolutely. you go. Absolutely. Oh, I'm going to say Clark Kellogg. Awesome. You like was Clark? Awesome. Okay. Clark was awesome. What is, and how about Brent? Uh, no? Brent, did he, Did Brent call games in I the NCAA? Brent did he games. did. You're right. He did. He called the Final Four. Called the Final Four and but, then was fired the next day. Those four, God, Raftery is. Even though he's a curmudgeon in, in real mean, life, cr- oh yeah, booking I, him is tough as yeah, a producer. God. Uh, but God, he's great on the games. All right, and finally, this uh, you didn't this, say Vital. <laughs> he never did the tournament. He sucked. He never did the tournament. <laughs> Thank God, never even realized. Never that. got Thank to God. do the tournament. He would say, "Oh, I tell you what, I'm so jealous of Billy Packer. I wish I could oh. do the tournament just once." God. Four abominations about the tournament, though. Al McGuire. He's an abomination. No, no. Al McGuire should be in there, too, somewhere. Oh, as an announcer? Yes. Oh, okay. okay. I'm done. Okay. Four abominations that the tournament has seen over the years. Number four, using new basketballs at the Final Four. Yes. I remember that was a Totally huge slippery, yes. not broken in, terrible shooting, terrible ball handling. Number three. Those stickers that would cover up the arena logos. And everybody would slip on Slip on those things because, God forbid, you see an NBA logo in the picture. Number three, the constant use of the term student athletes. We have a question for one of the student athletes in the post-game pressers. And one of the great abominations that still continues to this day, dome games. Thank you. I was going to say moving it. 
out of places like, remember when it was at the pit at New Mexico? It would be at, at gyms that would hold like, you know, 16 to 18. And then they, let's put it in Minneapolis. What? The, the last non-Dome Final Four, I think, was in East Rutherford in like 96. And they've been whoring it out to Domes ever since. It's just a travesty. That shooting, said. Shooting backgrounds are terrible. Yes. That said, who do you got in your final four? Do you have a bracket? Have you filled it out yet? Nope. Neither have I. Can I tell you Well, we better wing it right now on a Wednesday night. I've got to cram tonight and tomorrow morning and fill something out. I can tell you why, and this is it might be my fuck that guy also. Mark Turgeon has ruined all of my love of basketball. Well, he doesn't make the tournament very much. No, he does not make the not not even the NIT, and I am just so depressed that Maryland you can't is, even fill out a bracket. I didn't have even fill out a bracket. Okay. And my school that I graduated from is in the tournament. The University UMBC? of Maryland, Baltimore County, who will upset Virginia. Oh, without their sixth man, DeAndre that, Hunter? I am picking Good luck that on that. Because Virginia. You're 23-point underdogs. Here's why. Here, the largest here, dog on the board in round one. Here's my scenario. Scenario. Virginia has a problem scoring. They do. UMBC can do one thing. They take a, by the way, coached by Dave Odom, whose father is? Lamar. <laughs> I the don't Odom know. who coached at Wake Forest. Oh, that guy. Yes, Dave Odom. Yes. Oh, oh, so he's Dave Odom's Ryan, kid. Ryan, Ryan, yeah, Ryan, yes, Dave uh, Odom, yes. Yeah. Anyway, they, they shoot a lot of threes. They're up-tempo. They could score. Can Virginia, if they get down by like 11 I know that's the knock, but they yes. were down big to Louisville and came yes. back. But they I can do come love back. Virginia's yeah. defense, though they play defense okay. like they mean it. And you agree that uh, Tony Bennett is impossibly handsome, impossibly handsome. <laughs> is he more? Who's more handsome, Jay Wright or Tony Bennett? It's a push, man. They're okay. both. They, yeah. they should be. They should be models in Mad Men or something. They're ridiculous. <laughs> I like them both. They're both. They're but undouchable. Like Hal they really, are, they really are undouchable. Yeah. And I think. I think they're kind of clean, unlike most college coaches. I think yes, uh, and believe, uh, I remember the rumor, and this is weird. Uh, when Gary retired, and everybody was all in a flux about the Maryland job, they had uh, the Maryland AD went to Arizona to try to get Miller, and from what I remember, he fucked that up royally, and then he went to Jay Wright, and the story was Jay Wright and. Ashian, if I'm right about this, he said something like, I want to be interviewed for this job and I don't want anyone else to be interviewed and I'll take it like what? But yeah, I'll hind- take this job. Hindsight. Yeah. Okay. All right. Very good. Uh, anything else about the tournament? Well, we didn't pick our final four. We don't I, have I, a final. I don't four. have a final. I'm who, not... All right. Who could you not stand to win the whole thing? Duke, Duke I assume. Okay. Kentucky. Okay. I don't think they're. I don't think they're that good. Uh, I'll be rooting for Virginia and Villanova, like yeah, we talked I, about. I, those two. Um, what about what about Cincinnati? You know who? No, you know who else I like? West Virginia. Yeah, you gotta like Huggy Bear because they play another team that plays defense like they mean it. Uh, you know what? I'd like Alabama. Okay. Um, Alabama ain't winning this thing. I'm, what I'm do you think like about What do you think about Trey Young in his last Jesus. the worst six weeks ever? You know what? They came into the tournament, as I said, colder than Ted Williams' head in the cryogenic freezer. But that said, they'll probably win three games. That's how stupid the tournament is. So, yeah, Trey Young is is a chucker, 
and they figured him out, and Oklahoma's come in like a dead man, and they're probably going to win two games because that's how it works. I, so. I hate he plays like Steph Curry. Is that because they're both light skin? Is that is that no? No, he, it's it's not that Jay. It's that he dribbles through his legs and shoots thirty footers, uh, and every now and then makes some. He's nothing. Every now and then, he's nothing like Steph Curry at Davidson was. He's nothing like Trey Young. No, stop it. Jimmy Patzos put like three guys on him. Yeah, and they still lost by twenty. There you go. All right, you ready yes. for FTG for the week? Here we go. Let's light it up. I'm not a good guy. I'm the guy. (laughs) Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. All right, Jay, who is your fuck that guy for the week, my friend? Well, this just uh, Yankees uh, outfielder Aaron Judd. Oh, whoa, whoa, Uh, whoa, uh, why? Because, oh, talking to Manny Machado, you'd look great in pinstripes. Oh, isn't that tampering? That's what I said. And no, <laughs> no one had an answer for me. Okay. Call your Jets there, Judgy. <laughs> you really don't think he's going to stay after this year, do you? I don't think he's going to stay, but, but he you don't want him going to the, to the Yankees, Yankees, though. Yes. And you My want... father, who's a huge Yankee fan, I'll have to leave the family because okay. he will be unbearable. So to one Aaron Judge, you say... Fuck that guy. Yeah. Don't strike out so much this year. How about that, huh? It's like you hit all these home runs, which is nice, but maybe work on that on-base percentage. He's the new biracial angel, though, of baseball. (laughs) The biracial (laughs) angel. The the absolute catnip to uh, advertisers and corporate sponsors, right? Yes, he appeals to everyone. Yeah, I guess so. All right, my fuck that guy this week. You're going to laugh when I say this. You're going to say who, and then you're going to say why? My fuck that guy goes to one Kiradesh Affy Barnrat <laughs> on the PGA Tour. What the hell did you say? I Thank told you. you Kiradesh Affy Barnrat. He's a real golfer, nicknamed the Barnrat because of his name, from India. Pretty good player. Obviously likes his pizza and Pop-Tarts like I do because he's got a terrible body. Looks like an egg. And this week at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, he proudly displayed his visor, which he had won Eldrick Tiger Woods sign, and then he wore it around during a practice round. Hey, dummy, you're a pro too. You're supposed to beat this old man. What are you, some fanboy or something? You suck, barn rat. Fuck that guy. Act like a pro and not a fanboy. You're a ham and egger. Ain't that some shit, Jay? That's Affy Barnrat. Bu- that's some bullshit, Geraldo. Bullshit, right? That <laughs> Affy Barnrat with the who look like a tiger's autograph. Yeah, you're in the field with him, you douche. I, I can I one question before we wrap this up. We got a minute, so go ahead, my friend. What are your thoughts on Katy Perry? Oh, uh, with the kiss controversy? No, no. I just saw her recently. I was like, hmm. The haircut's got to go. I, I would, I would buy some Katy Perry stock again. Again? Yeah. You like that short crop? You know her music's tanking. Her tour I, is tanking. I I don't know a Katy Perry song. I'm talking looks wise. Shut the fuck up. You know a Katy I, Perry I, song. Wait, I kissed a girl. That's the one that I know. Yeah. Keep Katy going. Perry. Keep Del- going. That's it. Oh no, I'm not. Last Friday night. Can I ask you one more question? Teenage dream. One one last. Why do people hate Coldplay? 
I was listening to them do. at the gym today, and I'm like, why do people hate them? All right, Jay, we got to get out of here. Follow okay. Jay on Twitter at jaycatrell 34 All right, brother. See you next week. Enjoy Thank the tournament. You, Jay. We'll end with this today. I think there is hope for sanity yet in this world of idiotic hashtags and viral nonsense. In fact, March is currently having a big inning against the nonsense of the day on multiple fronts. I've got three stories here that came across at least my eyeballs from the last 24 hours. They're all in the month of March. Story one is that Bruno Mars was accused on a podcast of cultural appropriation. Yes, we've been over this topic before. It's one of the most asinine concepts ever. Basically, they were saying, hey, Bruno Mars, he's, he's not black. He's like half Puerto Rican and half something else. And so they're like, he should be doing more to give credit to African-American influences in his music. A lot of people quickly said, what, what are you, fucking crazy people? What do you want him to do? When Sean King... The very activist who himself is not black comes out and on Twitter says, so let me get this straight. He should not do any kind of, he can only do country music. When you're agreeing with Sean King that something is completely stupid, then you know that that concept of cultural appropriation is just about on its last legs. Story number two. I'm sure you've heard of this by now. Katy Perry is in trouble for a forced kiss of a young little virgin on the audition of American Idol, the new American Idol with Katy Perry on it. Apparently this kid who came from a conservative family was asked about, you know, his has he kissed a girl yet? And he said, no. Katy Perry's like, well, come on over, honey. And I think he gave her a kiss on the cheek, and then she just went right in for one on the lips. I didn't see the kiss. I don't even know if he was that good. Whatever. Probably stunk of cigarettes and gummy bears from Katy Perry, but whatever. So it turns out several months after this thing you know, happened during auditions, because there's a delay between the auditions and when it comes out, he said, yeah, it was kind of uncomfortable and I didn't like it. Uh, I, was, uh, I come from a conservative family. I was hoping to save my first kiss for somebody special. Oh, for fuck's sake, really? So there's that. And the third story, to give you hope that there's sanity yet, Sexual predator jailed after getting into women's shelters. Yes, a sexual predator claimed that he identified as a woman and was granted access in Toronto, Canada to a sanctuary, or not a sanctuary, but a women's shelter because he just said, I'm transgender. And they're like, well, we don't see any junk that's different. And he's like, I'm not there yet. I identify as a woman. I'm going to get changed at some point. And they let him in. And guess what this sexual predator did once he was in the hen house? He started predating on the hens. Several assaults took place to the point in which a court uh, had to uh, step in. Oh, boy, this is uh, March 4th, 2014. (laughs) This is old news, but I swear I saw it recently, so... Yeah, yeah, this is now happening as well. All right, I got I got screwed up on the dates. Make it two stories that I hope are starting to collapse the nonsense that has been going on in society as of late. All right, 
That'll do it for me today. I'll quit while I'm behind on that. Thank you so much for listening. You know the drill. Tell two friends and the shoe rental guy at the bowling alley. Leave a positive review here on iTunes or wherever else. Download and subscribe at all the major podcast outlets. And as Flo used to tell her boss Mel on the TV show, Alice, you can kiss my grits. Thanks for listening, everyone. We will see you next time.